the Detroit is Different Community Group is a 501c3 organization focused and built around the project work of the Allot of Studio Project. The Allot of Studio Project is the project allowing for podcast conversation, live music performance, and also giving away fruits and vegetables within the community. When you support the Detroit is Different Community Group 501c3 organization, you're supporting the Allot of Studio Project. Send your email address along with your donation to cash tag Detroit501c3 to the Detroit is Different Community Group for your tax-deductible donation letter. All right, back again in full effect in the Detroit is Different podcast studios. And today I got, as I always talk about special guests, this is more than a special guest. This is like my brother, best friend, brother. Uh, partner in arms probably I spend more time talking to him as I plan things out than most people him and my dad are kind of the key people on point along with Suzanne and project management of how I do anything and if you know me and you know me well and you know something that I'm working on and who to get in contact with me or you know the people that you think you could reach that could reach me best this is the man that you reach but he's also a very creative person himself and this is his first time on detroit is different that's kind of how it all spills and comes together michael willingham how you feeling humbled man appreciate you yes sir yes sir most definitely and uh this is an interesting interview as i always say anytime i interview people where i already know their backstory yeah but i'm sure i'm gonna find out a little bit more then how things go, just because that's how Detroit is different go. Indeed. So the route always goes family, foundation. What brought your people to the city of Detroit? Uh, I know my great-grandmother was from Alabama. Alabama whereabouts? Uh, Montgomery. Mm-hmm. Uh, she has family in Youngstown, Ohio. Okay. Um, so I, I'd have to say somewhere from one of those two places. Um, mm-hmm. Auto industry, I don't know. I can't say if anybody uh, came up here to join that, but uh, a lot of my people was in the service. You know, my great grandfather, grandfather, mm-hmm. you know that kind of thing. So, what what branch of the service? Just regular army. Just okay. Regular army. Yeah. So, um, so with that, you talk about coming up here from Alabama and Youngstown. Youngstown, another one of those industrial cities and towns. Did you ever go down to Montgomery or visit Youngstown? No, I only, only kind of heard stories like from my pops and my mm-hmm. uncle. They more so uh, did the visiting okay. to like Youngstown. Okay, what would they talk about when they say they go down there and visit with peoples? I mean, they were kids, so um, a lot of it's kind of like a blur to me, you know. Mm-hmm. Like these things were told to me when I was younger, just kind of like in passing and things okay. like that. So, um it's land, space, mm-hmm. you know, any, any, you, you can give a kid anything, you know, so yeah. they kind of just like to the vacation aspect of it, I guess. Okay. So from there, that brings us to Detroit. Whereabouts? Uh, where were your people at uh, in Detroit? Where did they like, you know, kind of scratch their teeth, uh, plant their feet? Well, not far from here, actually. Uh, mm-hmm. Glendale and 12. Uh, okay. My great grandmother's house is on that block. Uh, it's been there, still standing. No one's in it, but mm. it's still there currently. Okay, so great grandma moved this way. Do you know years about generation? Like, did your dad grow up there? Did uh, what? Who were the people that grew up there? Yeah, it was definitely my dad's generation. My dad, my uncle. Mm-hmm. Um, prior to them, I don't, I don't think it was that house. 
Okay, because, you know, this neighborhood is definitely unique in the sense of, especially that thoroughfare, this was a completely Jewish neighborhood at one point in time. So if they kind of planted roots here early on, they were like some of the first black families over this way. Could be. I remember uh, it was a cleaner zone, Woodrow Wilson in Glendale. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just one of the first black businesses I remember as a kid just seeing in the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mr. Bibbs, it was a liquor store right on Woodrow, Glendale. He's another, you know, black business owner just in the area, you know, when I was younger. Okay. And you speak about your great-grandmother, your great-grandfather. Or was she just a woman getting property herself? What what, uh, stories do you know your great-grandfather? No, they they were together. Um, Mm -hmm. He was deceased by the time, you know. I came mm-hmm. about, mm-hmm. so I don't know a whole lot, you know, mm-hmm. about him. But uh, you know, my father, my uncle, all of them was under his tutelage. Okay, and military background. So you said army, you know, army at the time. My grandfather, uh, another army, uh, army man. He served in uh, tour of duty World War Two. Okay. Uh, also, uncle. Uh, that served in Vietnam. Did you have service members that served or were they just? Yeah. My grandfather was a uh, Vietnam for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, my great grandfather, I'm not for sure, but mm-hmm. I mean, considering time, could yeah. have been a, one of the world wars. Okay. All right. So we, we talk a little bit about history and everything. Great grandmother on the other side. What, what was she doing? Did she, um, you know, was she working? Was she just more so with the fam? What, what was that, that background? My great grandmother was a gangster, though. But, oh, okay. <laughs> um, and when I say that, I say it loosely. But um, mm-hmm. she did hair okay. in our basement. Uh, I just remember friends, family, you know, come through when I was younger, going to okay. the basement. She had whole set up chairs, washing, you know, stations and all of that, just for her to do her thing. So between hair, um, she did some seamstress stuff as well so she was i guess you can say she was creative in her own right um but entrepreneurial at that yeah yeah but i don't i never she never worked no job so um she she always made her own money i I would have to say that and this and again we talking about times when my great grandfather wasn't there like Mm -hmm. i said i don't know him at all all Mm -hmm. i know is her you know from that house so Mm -hmm. um yeah that that's all i seen uh (laughs) she kept a little 32 in a purse Mm. So that's why I say call her gangster. She uh, mm. eventually went through some, you know, Alzheimer's type stuff. And that's when uh, it got a little bit wild, you know. Mm. But, you know, I love her to death. That's my baby. She passed when I was 15, 16. Okay. So she was more like a matriarch of the whole family and kind of a glue of yeah. the family. Yeah. Okay. For sure. Okay. And as you talk about like that glue of the family, you coming up yourself, um, having that relationship with her. But what what do you remember more so about your childhood? What what neighborhood did you grow up in? Where were you at? I was here. I was here. I used to walk uh Highland Park with her up to A and P. Okay, I remember uh, that. Remember when Ivan was on Glendale? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, we used to walk up there. Uh McDonald's was right next door, of course. Mm-hmm. We'd take that stroll, shoot down to Sears. You know how far that that is and you know do a little shopping or whatever okay cab back to the crib so you grew up in this rosa parks neighborhood so like when people talk about like my connection with mike is sort of knowing some of the same people being in the neighborhood and other things too what was the neighborhood like for you as a kid what do you remember uh the houses were all populated Mm -hmm. um it was kids in the neighborhood so 
I ended up going to the east side for private school at some point. What school? Uh, Bethany Lutheran. Okay. Out of Drive Berkshire. Okay. It's wild Catholic over there, school. too. <laughs> okay. Catholic school, though. It was uh, Lutheran. Lutheran school? Yeah. I don't really okay. know the difference between mm -hmm. all of it. All I could tell you is school, church, same thing. That's mm -hmm. that's enough for me. So I, I got sent to the east side for a little bit. Um, who was the uh, who was the person like pushing you to get to that school as opposed to like just going you know the Glacier and you know the schools over this way? Well, my cousins are well, I want to say oh, I was a couple at the time because I'm the oldest, so mm -hmm. um, a couple of my cousins was going to school over there. Okay, so they were kind of already rooted in that. Um, mm -hmm. I got family on the east side anyway, so that's where you know my transition to that. I went and stayed over there for a little bit. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, went to the private school and I stayed going there, but end up starting to commute back home closer to like the eighth grade, seventh grade, something like that. Okay. Now, um, the Lutheran school kind of Catholic school experience is a little bit different. Did you recognize the difference between that and public school, like when you were younger or was it just one of those things where you, you didn't even, you know, you were a kid, you don't see it. No, nah, it was immediate. It was like, I went there in the fourth grade, so I was, old enough but um i don't know it it definitely was a different experience for me uh mm -hmm. my private school life like school wasn't hard it wasn't challenging um mm -hmm. i wasn't failing to know things like that but i wouldn't get no straight a's i was just doing whatever to get by type of thing um then you fast forward to the transition to the east side the kids in this school was actually achieving and they was doing mm. things, you know what I'm saying? And I was like, I ain't really like, uh, I don't want to say being last in line because I mm. definitely wasn't that, but I seen people reaching for things, uh, you know, interests, sports, mm. all of that kind of organized sports came into my life uh, at that time. So that that was different the whole uh religious aspect of it kind of threw me for a loop too um mm -hmm. you know i kind of felt ways back then i didn't know how to express them and i didn't really have nobody to talk to but i just it, it just wasn't clicking for me i didn't i didn't believe everything everybody believed you know i had a core belief system but as a kid you know it's it's kind of confusing so you know i kind of kept all of those feelings to myself till you know much later or whatnot but it was a great experience there. Very uh, cultured, if you will. And also, this is an interesting experience, too, because you also have the religious school experience. But the religious school experience with black students is different than I'm sure if you're at like a Lutheran or Catholic school, like in the middle of, I don't know, uh, the middle of Michigan. Sure. You know, so like, you know, the pores and things like that. What was... Um, because it brings a different type of student to a school where their parents are like paying for a school or yeah. like it's a different type of commitment. It definitely was it was tuition for sure. Yeah. So what were your classmates like? Because I'm sure, you know, that's not like a public school experience per se. I'm probably cool with every single person from that school still. Um hmm. MJ, mm -hmm. he actually went there. I met him probably in like the fifth grade. So, hmm. you know, that's one of my good friends. As Still well. standing, yeah, from from back uh, relationships from then. So, um, probably a couple other people I still keep in touch with. Mm -hmm. And when you say MJ, MJ the Don, MJ the Don is a hip hop artist just like myself, but also right now way more enterprising uh, beyond just getting on the microphone and rapping, but real estate production, 
MJ makes moves. You yeah, know what I'm saying? He puts definitely. plays together, makes moves. So do, did you kind of notice the families of the students are a little different too? Like, did you notice I'm glad that? you, yeah, I'm glad you kind of said it like that. Because um, I thought about this the other day. This is the first place I've been to see married families, mother, father, children. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? My my household wasn't that way. Uh-huh. Uh, a couple of friends I was running with, mm-hmm. their household wasn't the same way. Um, no judgment one way or another, but I did notice that. Mm-hmm. Um, now, does that have something to do with how the, the kids were acting? Maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe they gave them the motivation to reach for better. But whatever it was... That school put a battery in my back. That that kind of just turned me over. You know. Okay, I mean? when you say battery in your back, and that's a real young age too. You're talking fourth grade, so that's like not eight, nine years old. Nine, ten. Yeah. No, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Nine, ten. So um, that battery in your back from there was what about quality of life? What at nine, ten were you like? Okay, I want this. So I mean, you're talking about competition, right? Scholastics. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, I just got into organized sports then. So you're talking about track, basketball. Um, I don't know if I did soccer or not, but softball. Uh, whatever. Whatever I could play there, whatever I could do to kind of be involved, it was cool. The, the school was like a family, I guess you can say that. And that's probably why uh, I say I'm still cool with mm-hmm. mostly everybody from there to this day. You know, mm-hmm. um, I think everybody's pretty much doing something. Hmm. You know, um, every everybody's alive and well that I know of. So Okay. And uh, we'll get further into this because, you know, your family, your children. But I do want to at least stop right here and kind of get this. Do you think that this whole idea of the family and pushing towards success is something that like, is it the culture of the school or is it already like ingrained in who the students are from the culture at home? Just, you know. And I don't know if it's even an absolute. It may be like one of those things where 60% is the house, 40% is the school, or vice versa. Like, wh- what would you say? Hmm. I might have to go more so. I mean, the house always got a role to play. But, you know, when we in the school, you know, the house is the house. The school is the school. So, um, I just, I think it's, it's more so um, the school environment itself being more like family. Mm. Um, We have relationships with the other parents and everything too. So, yeah, like I say, I don't don't know if it was specifically just each individual household as opposed to like a collective. Hmm. Um, So, Hmm. yeah, that's that's probably what what I say to that. And the reason I ask is because, you know, education is always a big topic when Indeed. we think about what can happen. And, you know, people talk about the, the old adage, our children are the future. So what were some of the things that was happening then and at that school that actually connected parents more to all of the students there, not just their kid? Well, it's, it wasn't a, a seven, eight hundred person school anyway. Mm-hmm. So, um once you're there for a year, you kind of start to know everybody. Mm-hmm. And, you know, everybody, some of the people went there from preschool on up. You know, I, I came late, but, uh, you know, the family dynamic, I guess, is built in that. If you with the same people from preschool all the way to eighth grade, I mean, 
it's kind of natural that way, I guess. Mm. So stopping some of the transient um, turnover that may exist. Indeed. I, like, like I said, I know a lot of people that went there like the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember when my cousin started going, but maybe first, second grade. Mm-hmm. So a few years before I did or whatever, all the way up to the eighth. So um, I don't know. It was it was just a cool it was a cool culture there. It was a great experience. Um, what else could I say about it? I mean, it's still standing. I don't know if it's it's active mm-hmm. to this day, but there were several other schools that were just like it. Um, not all black. Don't don't. I'm not saying that, but. Um, like you say, when you when you add the culture, the black culture and religion together, you have a little different experience. So you take my one school, then you had Peace, uh, Mount Calvary. It was it was probably like six schools, kind of in the I don't know the district mm-hmm. you want to call it. So these were the schools that we all played against in sports. So we had fake rivalries and friends at those schools as well too. So I don't know. Like I say, it was a it was a good time for me. You know what I'm saying? Okay. So I'm talking your story. Mom and dad. Um, what's what's the background? Uh, you, you're speaking more your dad's side now, your mom's side. How did, how did your mom's family make their way to the city? I don't really even know much about that side um, okay. as far as getting them here. Um, mm-hmm. I know when I was younger, uh, my grandfather did work at like a plant. He lost, he lost part of his arm. So mm. he's got like a... I don't know, like a, 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 a forearm yeah. prosthetic that's yeah. got like a hook on it. So he, mm-hmm. I wasn't scared of it, but he used mm-hmm. to be scary to people because of that. But mm-hmm. his other arm was like Popeye, like knock your head off with it, man. Uh-huh. It, was, it, was, it was like cock strong. So, mm-hmm. um, but other than that, I don't know. He was uh seemed to be kind of to himself a little bit. I think him and I had more conversation toward his last days. You know. Um, I don't know. He's just proud of me. What what side of town and what neighborhood? Uh, Livernois and the Lodge is the area. Turner, Turner and Midland. Okay, the Long Streets as yeah. they call them. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, those blocks. If people know, like I don't know what it is about those blocks, like around like almost like Puritan to the Lodge. Yeah, like one street. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so yeah, you'd be on the block with somebody your whole life and be like, I don't know who indeed is on that side of the street. And it's like, no, I live on the same block. So shout out to the mailman that uh, worked that area, <laughs> you know. Cardio Rich. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, so that that dynamic, mom and dad, what were they doing when you were younger? Uh, so my mom was 16 when she had me. My pops was 18. Mm-hmm. So my mom was in school still. Uh, once she graduated... Um, she worked a few years and then we moved out of the house from there, uh, moved over to Wyoming, Chicago area, Mm -hmm. uh, on Ward. Kind of like, uh, that's like the McKenzie neighborhood. Yeah, definitely the McKenzie neighborhood. That's so that neighborhood is what got my ass in trouble. And that's why I got shipped to the East side. Okay. Just, you know, over there. And ironically enough, um, I always joke. I got a friend that I've known longer than my mother, uh, still to this day, my best friend. Mm-hmm. Um, he happened to live in that same neighborhood at the time. So mm-hmm. 
I mean, call it what you want. His fault, my fault, whoever. We was getting into some shit. Yeah. So uh, it got to a point to where we just kind of had to be put in the corners for a second. My corner was on the east side. And when you say, like, into some shit, like, what type of, um, like, regular boy stuff or, like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. I, I mean, I wasn't I wasn't robbing or no mm-hmm. shit like that, but, you know, I'm third grade skipping school. Mm-hmm. You know, out doing whatever. Play video games, might go behind the house in the woods, playing mm-hmm. tag, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. But, no, nah, it, it wasn't... It wasn't nothing that involved destruction mm-hmm. or it didn't have no bearing on nobody else. It yeah. was just me and him. Okay. So, you know, I mean, I mean, I guess you could say that was little boy stuff. So. Yeah. So so at that point on the east side, what neighborhood on the east side you at? Um, my, my grandma stayed on Monarch. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you're talking about seven miles between Mile and um, Ryan. Okay. So now so you talk about, about Persian. Yeah, I was going to say the Persian neighborhood. Yeah. You know? So, whole different flair, whole different feel, different neighborhood. But I know a little bit of your story, your family over that way, too. Indeed. So, what was it like going to a neighborhood with way more of your family members? I don't know. It's all, it's always cool. It was always love because of that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so, I met friends through them, of course, and people on the block and around the corner and all of that kind of thing. So, mm-hmm. No, that that was always a good time. I always love, I always love to go over over to the east side, you know. Yeah, and and your family kind of has roots around that way too, because even some of my peoples that are around there. So we think of like Coney Gardens. Um, we think of uh, you know that whole Persian like footprint. Yeah, uh, you know Mount, uh, the Sojourner Truth homes and stuff like that. Like it's another private school over there on mm-hmm. Outer Drive and Mile. He's Bethlehem. So that was okay. one of, that was another one of the schools that was in the district. Okay. So Okay. I don't know what it was about the East Side and private schools. Yeah, they they was popping up. Yeah, for sure. So that kind of leads you into kind of our our introduction past that schooling and wait, I'm skipping over your pops. What was your pops doing? All right, which time? I'm sorry. Work. Uh like so like your your kind of middle school journey and everything like that. Uh, my pops was an engineer. Mm-hmm. Um he did design for GM, mm-hmm. uh, you know, tier one suppliers, mm-hmm. all alike. So that's that was that was his career my whole life, you know. Um automotive he, industry design. Was his schooling from the streets. He didn't he didn't go to school. So it seemed like early on all of this shit was easier <laughs> before the school element was really kind of pressed on us. But um I don't want to call it an internship, but like his his teachers had an interest in him. You know, my dad's a very intelligent guy. So mm-hmm. from those relationships, I mean that sky was the limit. You know, um, he had he got the opportunity and he took the opportunity and you know he killed it. So like vocational school from high school. Yeah, it was, so it was. I don't think it was vocational, but it was from a high school relationship like mm-hmm. where he where he went after that you know okay. it's, it, it's a couple of little holes in my mind as, mm-hmm. as far as that transition but i do know it was based off of uh one of his teachers was it consiglio i don't remember his name my mom remembers the name but okay um but that he got he got he got alley-ooped into the game that way mhm so this this relationship uh, kind of leads you into some of the work that you do now. And I didn't even know, like I said, I'm going to find out some stuff. I didn't know your dad was into engineering as well and drafting. Was yep. he Was he an artist as well? 
ironically. Mm-hmm. He was. Okay. Cause... My grandfather, too, actually. Hmm. I, I mean, I... I don't think it has no correlation, you know, but. But it is they, still the truth. Yeah. Yeah. Because Mike, um, as, as you see, the jewelry he's wearing, uh, sweatshirt he's wearing, uh, artistry design with um, many things. It bring into life all types of um, things to life, like whatever you think you can draw and design. Mike can do that. Yeah, it's kind of hard to explain it that way, but it's that's really, yeah. that's really is. So like even with three D printing, when three D printing was fir- the the first time I heard about it, I don't know, maybe fifteen years ago, Mike was one of the first people presenting that concept. Like, oh yeah, I can I can probably draft in reference to this. And yeah, because I wasn't even I wasn't even sold on three D printing in the beginning. You know, it mm-hmm. took it took me a while, but you know, I did my research to it and. um I mean, things are way more practical now. You know, in the beginning, mm-hmm. everything is always, you know, if you ain't got big dollars, you can't get with it. So mm-hmm. um, I think it just became more practical over time, and I figured out a way to kind of navigate in that space. So, Make it work. Yeah. So it's definitely the future. That brings us to high school, Cass Tech. Um, you you connect with another one of my, like, best friends, like brothers in Dewan Whittenham. Dewan De- De- Whitten and then Mike Willingham, and then just, like uh, – B, uh, B. Hen, um, uh, Charles Ivy, like a, a lot of people, a lot of dudes that graduated class, Cast Tech class 2001 are uh, people connected to me through Dewan and Mike and B and and Tristan yes. and just it's a it's a lot of people. It's a lot, a of, lot of Ricardo. I mean, I can't even name everybody, but Cast Tech. Why you choose Cast Tech? The girls. Strictly flat okay. out. Um, in eighth grade, I would watch like the PSL basketball games. You know, mm-hmm. you see Cash, you see Renaissance. Mm-hmm. For whatever reason, those two caught my eye. I mean, ironically, yeah. they both scholastically great, right? Mm-hmm. None of that had nothing to do with that. Oh, <laughs> it was it was literally <laughs> the cheerleaders, and I chose Cash. Mm-hmm. So when uh so i guess that in the recruitment tool they, they can remember this but uh what was it like going to cast because you went to as we know the old cast as yeah people say. Yep, yep. you know what was cat what was the cast experience like going from like a school that was much smaller to like one of the biggest schools not just in the in the district but like in the state so you walk through the doors it's overwhelming you get into the auditorium it's huge bunch of people in there Mm-hmm. First 30 seconds, I immediately rec- recognized somebody I knew, you know, so I went over to chop it up with her. And after that, the day was cool. I ain't, you know, the the I guess the jitters or whatever you want to call it, all of that was kind of gone. Mm-hmm. Um, but still didn't know what was going on. So you still mm-hmm. kind of like, you know, vast space learning how to navigate. So, you know, I was to myself. Okay. Um, and then basketball is probably what opened up things for me. That's where I met Tristan, LaParis, uh shit, most most Dewan, of the guys that I got yeah. cooler with yeah. all started with basketball at cast. Yep. And and as we talk about that, I didn't even mention LP, but uh definitely LP too. Um that, you know, and even your wife you met at Cast Tech. Yeah. So uh it's unique that these people that you met in high school have been people that you've carried these relationships for 
for forever. Forever, yeah. It, you yeah. know, like this is unique. And then also even to, um, you got something we gonna bring up in a minute. But what do you think was so cool about your Cast Tech experience? And what do you think makes uh, going to Cast Tech such a dope experience for somebody from Detroit? Well, well, the first thing is that everybody from Cast ain't nobody special. And when I say that, they look just like you, me, anybody um, doing regular things. Mm-hmm. However, the people there generally tend to, I don't know, I ain't going to say achieve or strive for things a little harder. Um, I don't know if it became a competition between us all that pushed everybody harder, mm-hmm. but whatever it was, it was, it was kind of like that kind of thing. Um, so kind of the, the same question about the, uh, the, uh, the Lutheran school. So like, is it the, was it the students themselves or was it the, the, the structure of the teachers and the administration? Like, uh, and then like, to what degree? Well, I mean, if the, if the faculty didn't give a damn, then obviously that would show. So, um, that had to play a big part in it. Mm-hmm. Um, I <laughs> I remember uh, Mr. Emil. Uh, this was my drafting teacher. Uh, I used to be late to his class all the time too. He he used to he, not cuss at me for real, but he used to cuss me out about it. But um, the thing is, he wanted me to go on to the College of Creative Studies because he seen whatever it was in me. Teachers like that all over cast. Um, they 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 see things in the students and they you know I guess they project that outward, hmm. um, and okay. we absorb it how we absorb it in you know. Now while that also is going on, the social dynamic is going on too. Like you're you're that part was live. The social part was live. So. You're 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 getting uh, acclimated. Um, you know I'm uh, you know I remember it'd be days you know. For whatever, like it, whether I was in school or not in school, sometimes <laughs> <laughs> I find myself gas parking lot, you know, kicking it with you guys, yeah, you know, going over rap songs and things like that. Um, what was, uh, you know, like did you did at that time did you think to yourself like, okay, these are kind of gonna be people that'll be in my life for forever? No, I, I ain't gonna say I wasn't thinking like long term but i mean at 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 that age you know your your vision is tunnel you really mm-hmm. you really can't see much outside of that so i wouldn't say that i thought that these people would be um but for all intents and purposes i didn't see a reason why they wouldn't be either okay so ccs wasn't what you were thinking but you were one of the best cad students there so for cat, for people that don't know what CAD is, computer aided drafting, that is like drawing up the blueprints of what you know what things go on. So like when you buy some furniture from IKEA and you're like, what is going on here? And like you see how it's put together in in those drawings and drafts. It's yeah, like instruction books yes. that got uh, <laughs> dimensions and all that, yeah. that kind of stuff on it. It's it's yeah, people that, that put that type of stuff together. Mike's one of those people. You had these skill sets like eleventh grade. Uh, you had a, a instructor that saw promise in you but you didn't really see that in ccs what was your journey after after cast tech 
uh, I went to Wayne State for a few years, mm-hmm. at least at least two. Okay. Yeah, for uh, mechanical engineer. Okay. Why did you shift? Well, by what you want to say, oh three. Yep. So by oh three, I was <laughs> I was in this one uh, math program called the Emergent Scholars Program, and at this point, it had started getting real serious. When you say serious, what you mean? Um, I guess elevated in in the courses. Okay, so it goes so, from because um, you you and my dad are the only people that pre- presented to me two plus two doesn't always equal four. So it starts getting into ma- the math goes from like because you're like one of the smartest people in math in in most rooms. Period. But I'm guessing like the the math, the science, everything becomes more accelerated. Yeah, and uh, the bigger problem was once the courses got elevated, the teachers began to speak English less. Ah. So in this one particular class, I couldn't understand the teacher. Okay. Um, also at this time, like, you know, my father was killed in and 03. I, and I, I wanted to, we'll definitely go through that, um, but, uh, but continue and then I'll come back to that. Um, shit, I forgot where we. <laughs> so uh, you the, were saying the like the the teacher you didn't understand. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so at, at that point, I just I left Wayne State completely alone. You know, what I'm saying mm-hmm. my my mind wasn't. I just wasn't there. Your presence it. of mind wasn't there. Yeah. And uh, you talk about um, your father passed, and my, you know, I, I've dealt with the passing of of a parent and my mom, but whole different amount of circumstances for you. Your father was murdered. Yeah, he was murdered in the house that we lived in. Yeah. Yeah. And you're, at the time, 20? Yep, 20. 20 years drink old. Yet. Yeah. What, so how, how do you conceptualize this period? And then at this time, also, you and your father are, are like, he's... He's you're like a damn near, you know, Trey from Boys in the Hood because you live with your dad. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like in that same. Yeah, we relationship. Was, he was more like I hate to say it like that, but he was he was like a brother to me because I didn't I didn't have no older brothers. Mm-hmm. I'm the oldest grandkid. So mm-hmm. it wasn't nobody before me. I had my dad, uh, my uncles and all of their friends to kind of hang around. So mm-hmm. when I got older, him and I kind of adopted an older brother younger brother type of thing we used to fight all the time and i don't mean like um we were never pissed at each other but just fucking around mm-hmm. you know what i mean wrestling and yeah, yeah just 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 crazy for no for no odd reason so mm-hmm. it, it 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 messed me up bad you know what i mean just from mm-hmm. that dynamic alone and and then you're still i mean 20 is still very young indeed um to lose anybody but to lose a parent that young especially to murder whereas murder is something that can live in the mind of people for a long time how did you even kind of come to any semblance of like um first how did you when did it hit you like oh like did it take a while to even hit you what happened how it happened to conceptualize to just keep going through do you still go through the whole concept of like what why and how well, um, I, I guess just in reference to your first question, it was kind of immediate for me. Um, the day it happened, I talked to him like maybe 30 minutes, within 30 minutes from it happening. 
you know, I, I was out somewhere. I told him I'd be home, you know, whatever time. So I'm on my way to the house. Yeah. I get a phone call, a weird phone call. You know, I'm not going to say who it was from, but mm-hmm. somebody asked me where I was at. I said, I'm on my way, you know, to the block or whatever. And they tell me that they heard something just went down on the block. How long is it going to take me to get there? I'm like, I'll be there in like 20 seconds. He's like, all right, I'll be there in about five minutes. Now, as I'm having this conversation, I see a black unmarked police car turn out in front of us and shoot. Now, I'm, I'm driving out 12th Street, by the way, coming from like the boulevard area. So yeah. now me and the person that I'm in the car with, I'm a passenger. They flooring it following the cop car. Yeah. So we get to Glendale and, you know, it's, it's, it's sold up. You can't turn down there. I hop out the car and I'm going down the street. As I'm going down the street and I'm approaching the house, I see him in the doorway. So it clicked. I already knew what it was. Hmm. Um, at that time, it was, uh, I don't know how many officers, few officers there. I was like the first person outside of whoever was there on the mm-hmm. scene. Mm-hmm. So it was another recognizable face there that came and stopped me. Like I'm getting ready to up yeah. into the crib because I, I see what time it is. Yeah. So this person comes out of nowhere and kind of blocks me off and not let me there. So now I'm wrestling with this person. Cops get me and they put me in the car. Hmm. So, you know, after that, it was just it was it was a wild night. But um, I immediately, like I said, I immediately knew I knew what it was. Like I said I was there so early. Um, it was it wasn't nobody else there. Just the cops, him and that person. Hmm. And um, and. And this whole incident, like I say, like it, it's life changing. Period. But this is life changing at a young age. Therefore, me knowing you and knowing your story, I believe this is an event. Obviously, that changes the next steps of your life. Period. Absolutely. Um, what What's in your mind? Like, how are you even getting together? Definitely Wayne State. Yeah, it's hard to focus on that. Yeah, I assume it's hard to focus on anything. It was. Um... Yeah, I I wasn't focused on anything. I didn't. Mm-hmm. I was. I don't want to say lost, but I mean, for for lack of better, yeah, you know, I was I was I was lost, but I was never like um, actionless, mm-hmm. if you will. Uh, very next morning, you know, I'm up at five o'clock in the morning, get dressed. I go up to uh, I'm trying to think what the name of the of the place was. I think there it's called Valio right now. It's 14 mile. And um, 75, as soon as you come up, well, I guess it's Stevenson. Stevenson mm-hmm. Highway and 14 yeah. Mile. That Whatever that building was, Collins and Aikman was the name of it then. Okay. So that's where he was, you know, working at. So mm-hmm. I'm up there at 5 o'clock in the morning. As soon as I hit the door, everybody look at me like a ghost. Of course, mm-hmm. the, the hotlines is running. Everybody know what, you know, what, what, what time it was. So mm-hmm. when I walked through the door, that was confirmation. So it was a weird feeling it was a creepy feeling in the room you know what i mean but mm-hmm. whatever went and cleared this stuff out said my piece and and left so how how did you uh cuz that's that's unique too and i guess like the presence of mind to even act on that cuz in times of grieving and immediate death it's hard to make any decision but to know that like all right it's it's business to handle on behalf of where my father was at what where well, how was your mind you know even in that space I mean, just shit had to be done, and that's all. That's from the time, like I said, I got up and went up to Collins and Aikman. 
I just know that shit had to be done. I mean, that's my mindset from that day forward. The shit had to be done. It ain't really an excuse behind it or a feeling behind none of it. Shit got to be done. So mm -hmm. I move with the mind that shit got to be done. Okay. And uh, along with that being done, you also take on, like me at a real young age, the responsibility of a household, too. Indeed. Um, the household where the murder took place, too. Yeah. Um, was that tough? Like being in the house, like how creepy was that for a while? Like how, how was your mind at ease in that? That didn't bother me at all. I mean, I, I never had nightmares about it. I don't have no visions about it. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Uh, like I said, maybe once I realized whatever it was, maybe I, I, I shot an armor over myself and it was just like, <laughs> that was that. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I, but uh, it, it didn't bother me at all. Okay. I mean, I love, I love being there. You know what I mean? And, um, like, even from my mom passing and others I know close to me passing, one of the tough things is the grieving process becomes more difficult because the people that come towards you. Absolutely. And, you know, will ask these questions that I'm asking now, but it'll be like next day. What was happening? Who do you think it would be? Why do you think it would be? How did it happen? Did you recognize anything? Was the behavior different? You know, and you went through these questions probably with the police officers too. Um, you know, but by the time you get to person number seven, that may be like a distant cousin down the line or God forbid, a distant cousin's friend that, you know, popped up with some chicken and, uh, you know, some, some potato salad. It's like, yo, bro, I really would rather not talk about this. Yeah. And I'm not trying to be rude to you, but right. I don't want to talk about, like, let's talk about anything else. Like, you know, um, with murder, it's even more pressing like that. Yeah. How how are you navigating those discussions? Because I assume those discussions are still discussions you may still have to this day when people bring this up. People don't really bring that up. It's almost like... Mm -hmm. I had I have had the conversation with you know you and mm -hmm. select other people, but I don't know. I don't want to say it kind of feel like taboo type waters, but yeah, I never really had to go in depth with answering questions. I know I was the police made me go through a lie detector test back mm -hmm. then, and from that experience, I never liked questions ever again. I, to this day, I don't like being bombarded with questions. I don't know if they recognize that or just mm -hmm. maybe I didn't look approachable to be asked those questions. I don't know. Whatever it was, I never really had to go into it a lot. Um, mm -hmm. If the conversation came up, it was just kind of was like uh, whatever. We were having a conversation and it just rounded about to that through general conversation. So maybe we would just talk about it generally. But, yeah, I didn't I never really had to uncomfortably navigate them conversations. Okay, so from there, from there you're 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 in the mix, you're in the flow, and then you deal with another blow, like one another one of the people in the sect that we didn't bring up, in Mike G. Yeah, Mike G, like a brother, uh, one of our people, uh, he passes as well. Indeed, two thousand seven, I want to say. Was it two thousand? Yeah, I think it was two thousand seven, May. Mm-hmm. 23. He's yep. 23. Yeah. Yep. And this uh this like kinda is is like something else that's shocking. Through rocks everybody like nobody expected. Yeah. Um 
you know, you you were definitely the closest in arms to Mike G. Um, a lot of people don't know. Mike G stayed with me on Glendale for a minute. Mm. So we um, that also helped cultivate that relationship a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's funny. I got a <laughs> I got a verse in my safe that he wrote to me that I found after he passed. Hmm. So deep. I, yeah, I, <laughs> deep. And, and this whole time, you're also still crafting some creativity, drawing. You're still uh, being creative. Um, you know, and, and then not to mention also your uncle, Uncle Jack. Like that was another like yeah, that thing came that in two thousand eight. Yeah. Barack Obama. Oh wait, yep. right, yeah, yeah, yep. Because we were listening. My president is black. Like I want to say like that whole day, and then it was like, hey, you know, Uncle James, and it was like, what? Funnier, funny story about that day. I was with Tristan. I don't remember why. Mm-hmm. Uh, we was on the east side too. It happened on Davidson. Mm-hmm. Uh, before six mile i want to say before six mile like right in front of a church or whatever but i was further east let's Mm -hmm. say like seven mile van dyke something like that yeah so when i had to come back west Mm -hmm. it was traffic it was like some shit going on we didn't know what it was it was that when i got back home i figured out you know what i'm saying that that was my uncle who had been in a situation yeah an accident uh where he was murdered um in an accident. Um, yeah, motorcycle. Motorcycle. So that that was heavy. Yeah. Um, and all of this cultivating to like um, to to lead into you know where you move even in artistry. So where do you start? And I'm like we're we're talking. We're interacting more. We're still kind of finding our footing with what plays we'll set up as yeah, we call indeed. them now. Um, when do you start saying, okay, this is kind of where I want to go with my artistry? You know, like, I, I, you're, you're crafting around, but when does it hit you that, like, okay, wait, I'm going to use my creativity as my key asset to engage in creating opportunity? I don't think that clicked uh, probably till around 2000. 10 for real so even through all my creative endeavors i guess before that point to me i was doing nothing but honing my craft regardless of what direction i thought i had or what Mm -hmm. i was gonna do that's what i was doing i was just simply getting better then in like 2010 i mean this is during the time of unemployment i'm not you know Mm -hmm. my crib collecting unemployment but i'm still Mm -hmm. doing my artistry um I found out that I could make $2,000 off a piece of my artwork that I didn't really have to put much effort in. So that, you know, turned on the switch in my mind to say, okay, maybe I could be more serious about this thing to turn it into something else. Um, So I just kind of still honed my craft during the time. But now I, I got the light bulb on. I don't have the direction, but the bulb is on. Okay, so talk about what that feeling is where the bulb is on, where you know what you want to do, but you don't necessarily know how you want to do it. Because it's a lot of people in that space. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, just like everything's rough in the beginning. Uh, Regardless of where you are, you got to build your chops up. You got to get experience, things like that, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Shortly after this time of unemployment, I got... um, 
got a job in Dearborn uh, doing design for a company for Ford, okay. uh, tier one supplier or whatnot. Um, I want to say 2012 is when that was. and that, That's the year I started Grind Ave. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was kind of, I, I don't want to say shooting the ideas through them. But they got the they got a chance to see a lot of the early stuff. So a lot of um, I don't want to say why I chose to navigate the way I do now, but it kind of came from there. Mm-hmm. It's questions they would ask. Sometimes I have an answer. Sometimes I have something for them. Sometimes I don't. Um, but it, I, it, I guess it made me focus on how I wanted to do grind out, and it you know kind of birthed out of that. Started from another idea I had. Uh, I don't want to give the whole thing away, but it was called, like, the T-shirt vault. Mm-hmm. And at this time, Jordans was cracking every week, right? Or some other shoe. So I create a concept. I make the shirt for it. I get the shoe, and then I post the shoe. I was finding myself spending so much money buying shoes, and then trying to get this artwork done and getting it ready before this next one. And I was just burning, man. And it's like, all right, I can't do this. And then, I don't know, Grind Ave, it just clicked. So I kind of transitioned from doing a t-shirt vault to just sticking to like one brand and just, we just going to make merch items from this brand. And that merch ended up being something real exclusive as um, as it's, it's a couple ways to be a creative. It's it's like a creative for hire, which a lot of my work can be like that. Yeah. And then a lot of your work, which I, I you and my sister Dar, I think are very much like that. You all create signature pieces that you may offer to the public. But you're still curating whatever the artistic experience is. It's not like yeah. a person coming to you and saying, hey, you know, can you put uh, Bugs Bunny eyes on top of uh, Mickey Mouse's shirt on top of, you know, it's yeah. like, nah, I'm not doing that. This is what I do. This is what I have. Get on my program. Yeah. And Grind Ab is definitely one of those things as you've as I've watched it become. You know, from a shirt to a hat to sweatshirts to also jewelry, like it's become like a, a, a lifestyle brand. I mean, that's the perfect way to uh, kind of describe it. Lifestyle brand. I mean, it kind of started from my lifestyle. Uh, again, I got to get shit done. Right. Mm-hmm. Grind. So that's where that came from. Everybody over the all over the world can. Uh, I guess you can say relate to to hard work. Mm-hmm. to achieve a goal, right? So I knew that it was something that was a universal term, you know, grind up, everybody could, uh, everybody, you know, everybody could feel feel grind out. But really, man, grind out is just my marketplace. It's my brand where you could buy grind out grind branded items, mm-hmm. period. Which the other thing, and we always talk about this through me and my marketing, it's like you run things like with exclusivity, meaning like if you have something that is grind ass, it's very signature. You may have piece one of a hundred. Sure. And that piece ain't coming back. Yep. Like it's very unique. It's very niche. So you heighten the scarcity, 
which heightens the value, which makes people even appreciate getting that piece more and more. I think so. Um, I think more so when we start talking about the jewelry side of it, because that same logic is going to come into play uh, mm -hmm. where you have your limited collections and exclusivity, because that's kind of how I'm pretty much, you know, operating those things. And jewelry itself, that's something else. Fashion, jewelry, you're into. Uh, what was the gateway to say, all right, I'm going to make my own jewelry? Because it's a lot of people that like jewelry. It's a lot of Indeed. people that wear jewelry, but it's not a lot of people that make jewelry. Right. So Especially, like, you think, like, a black dude, you know, young black dude making jewelry. You know what I'm saying? From 12th Street, right? You yeah. Know? So, 12, yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I get you. Um, well, first of all, I've been in the jewelry my whole life. Um mm -hmm. Most kids, you know, all love jewelry, whatever. But started uh, fourth, fifth grade, hearing bones. Mm -hmm. Then kind of just kept stepping it up from there. I got to high school. My dad gave me a big, big joint, you know, so I had a nice ass thick chain in high school. But that love for it kind of never, you know, went anywhere. Mm -hmm. Now, on the other hand, I am a designer, right? I use the computer to create 3D products every day. So... At some point, I just was like, let me try to design a chain. At this point, I had no jewelry knowledge at all. So right now, I'm just doing freestyle research to kind of get sizes and, you know, gauges of metal and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, I just designed me up a, a Cuban link. Took a while, but I got it. And I was like, I think I like this. Something mm -hmm. I can stick with. And I, at this point, I hadn't had the complete idea yet. Mm -hmm. But I just still kept trying to design, like, little stuff. And then um, pandemic hit. We all at home. So I don't know if at that point I just had designed a particular amount of jewelry or whatever. But we were working from home now. Mm -hmm. So now I'm at home working. Um Work is not hard. Get work done. Get that out the way. So now we can, you know, kind of brainstorm on this thing over here. And I came up with an idea. Um, went and met with some folks that I know who were in the, you know, in the game, behind the scenes. Put a team together. Created me a jewelry company. And kind of like the rest is history from that um and to this day that's what i'm doing you've done at this point in time and i'm gonna show in this you've done some decent amount of custom pieces uh clients yeah. you know that you know have these ideas but you still have like i say it's always gonna be your signature brand Indeed. um what um what's different about designing jewelry that you know, that that you've learned and and then also this, you know, this is like chemistry too, because you know, you're involved in alloys and metals and But that's it, that's engineering way. I've been doing this my whole life. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's mm -hmm. like through design, you gain engineering knowledge of whatever product you're working on. Okay. You know, and all of that just carries over and carries over and carries over and carries over. And at this point, you know, you just have all this wealth of knowledge, you know. So that's kind of where I am. I, I've, I've got a wealth of knowledge in design, 
Mm-hmm. Um, automotive is boring as fuck to me. Mm-hmm. Jewelry is not. Yeah. So I chose to kind of put my efforts toward you know something that something that was your mind. more fulfilling. Yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. So we talk about the jewelry being more fulfilling and keeping your mind. Um, what What do you see next? I, I know you got this special piece. Uh, Connected to Cast Tech that I'm gonna show. Yeah, yeah. But what do you see next? What's gonna be some something you offer? Well, as as far as the the custom pieces, mm-hmm. that's gonna slow down um, next year. Okay. And I'm gonna just concentrate on these collections, like you just mentioned. The Cast piece is a part of a collection, which you know I, I keep that under wraps right now. Okay. But um, I'm gonna just continue on that kind of thing. We'll we'll do collection pieces for. Like moments, you know, mm-hmm. um, say like graduation or my first house. You know, I'm just throwing things out there. Yeah. Um, I don't know what what these things will look like, but that's what that's what I'm I'm reaching for. Okay, and the customers. What, who who do you think is the ideal customer for something that's customized? And am I am I overreaching? Like, uh, what's the difference? Getting jewelry from you versus going to like K Jewelers or you know, Jared or something like that? I mean, i I tell you this. I don't care what jewelry store you go into. Ain't none of them designing the shit. Not one of them. They paying Hmm. somebody to do it. Hmm. So that that right there sets me alone. Um, I mean, that'll probably be the the biggest thing. Okay. Just sets sets me aside is the fact that I'm designing it myself. Okay. So what are your what are your big visions as far as like some of the next things you're gonna do outside of the collection? Like uh five years from now, what do you see? Will it be like a jewelry store? Will it be selling the collection to other jewelry store? What do you see next? I've I've had a vision of like a, a, a storefront, mm-hmm. but I don't know where. So I don't know what that all the way looks like. Okay. Um being that Everything is so virtual. Hell, I might just open up some type of virtual store. I don't know. Because, uh, I mean, I'm strictly all online right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, I got to have a flagship location somewhere. So, I mean, that that's that's going to come. Okay. Okay. And uh, for people to know, authenticity. <laughs> you know, if you're buying something online, how do you even know it's authentic? How do you know what's gold, what's what's silver, what's, you know, or not like, you know, 1% gold and like, um, you know, 99% tinfoil or something like. How do people check that? Appraisal. Simply mm-hmm. put, just get get your jewelry appraised by uh, a, a company you trust. Okay. Okay. And, and right now, you know, it's... Uh, you know, Josh Adams on the podcast, he talks about his, his days at the pawn shop and stuff. You know, the appraisers may be the pawn shop, which I don't know if that's the best appraisers, but, you know. Well, th- th- that's not what the appraisal's for, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The, the appraisal's for insurance purposes. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's really part of the game of jewelry. That's oh, where explain. you make your money explain. at. Explain. Um, let's say... Uh, you got a hundred thousand dollar chain, right? Yeah, and you just go jet skiing. You know, you're a rapper though. You mm-hmm. know, so it's 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 all expense. It's a, a write off. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's all expense. Um, that that hundred thousand uh, dollar chain that you had appraised didn't cost you a hundred thousand dollars. 
might have cost you twenty, might have cost you twenty five. The insurance company's gonna pay you a hundred. Mm-hmm. That's what I mean by that. That's where the value of I don't want to say the majority of your piece will come from, but that's the upfront value, the appraised. But so the appraisals, you kind of need to work with an appraiser that has relationships with the um, or, or reputation. Tra- yeah, reputation for is the, uh, for the insurance company because it can't just be like a you know like I just cut this diamond on this uh, on this glass, yeah. man. This works. This sign of Ashley Larry. Yeah, a hundred thousand yeah. dollars. Here you go. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no. Rep- reputation definitely plays a, a big part of that. Um, mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I, I would I would go to whoever you trust, whether it's me or whoever. You know, I don't I'm not saying mm-hmm. anything is better because it's me. I mean appraisal appraisal is an appraisal. Go to who mm-hmm. you trust. Whoever you shop with would probably be, be be the best to get an appraisal from. Okay. Because they actually did the work. What does an official jewelry appraisal look like? Is it like a form? It's is a pe- it like it's, a- it's a piece of paper. It usually tells you description. Mm. Uh, size, weight. Um, it's signed by whoever the appraiser is, whatever store. Okay. Um, I will almost want to say they may have a like a serial type number on it, just for you know uh, record within their store. And then I was gonna say also what uh, you know who gives the authority for different people to appraise. I mean you so. It's like a certification. It's like it, anybody just can't do it. You have mm-hmm. to have a certain piece of paper in mm-hmm. order to do that. Okay. So it's almost like a degree, you know, okay. or whatever. You know? Okay. So because yeah, I was gonna say like yeah, you, you know, can't, you can't. Everybody online, out here, like, yo, <laughs> we ain't doing the Brazilian butt lifts of certifications out here. Yes, exactly. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's like, hey, here you go. I'm on. You know. <laughs> All right. So um, this cast tech piece. Yeah. Why you do it? What's happening with it? And, and as as you talking, I'm a, I want to play, you know, what people gonna see because it looks real cool. What? Yeah. Why you do it? What's what's happening with it? Well, um, first of all, I went to cast, so it kind of makes sense there. Okay. Yeah, um, true. <laughs> I'm giving a little bit of the design away before you showed it, but it has the actual old building on there. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It's just a reverence for the that building itself, right? Mm-hmm. Um, those who go to cast have pride that they went to cast as well. Yeah. So that was an element to it. Um, and then we'll go back to the fact that I went there. Okay. <laughs> and and it, was, it was just kind of like that. And it's like, all right, let me come up with a design and put it together and see what it looks like. And I want to say it kind of, kind of reminds me of like the whole class ring type of thing. Yeah. So... Um, who knows? I may be up at, end up at somebody's university, uh, you know, designing their stuff. I, I mean, see the, that. the guy who did uh, the the Milwaukee Bucks rings, something just in Hollywood, something in Hollywood. I don't remember his name, but I, ne- I never heard of him before. Mm-hmm. And now you just see him plaqued all over everything. Yeah, um, but it's good work though. It, it's it was a beautiful design. Yeah, you you sent that to me. So for what he's talking about is the Milwaukee Bucks that just won the championship, the NBA championship, and what their ring is. And they also have uh, tiers of like the replica ring as a fan that you can buy. Because mm-hmm. I definitely don't know when Milwaukee's going to win another championship. But 
uh, beyond that, you could be a part of the experience, you know, like Indeed. like the Sports Illustrated commercial. You could be a part of the experience of Milwaukee winning this championship by having your own ring. Indeed. You know? Um, yeah, but he kind of, when I seen that, that kind of solidified, like, oh, yeah, I'm definitely going to do this, the, the okay. cast tech idea. And then, that, like I say, that kind of drifted off into other peripheral ideas that are coming along with it. Is but I ain't, I'm not going to share that right it. now. Y'all, y'all catch that later. Okay, so yeah, I, I definitely um, think that. What else? What else do you see next as far as some of the things that you're working on with Grind F? Um, I I am uh, getting ready to like I ain't gonna say like the bigger piece, but I'm gonna I'm gonna put some smaller pieces like this mm-hmm. uh, on the site for sale. Maybe some silver and some more affordable ones just across mm-hmm. the spectrum just so anybody will have an option um yeah because you you like gold a lot yeah fact. uh and also <laughs> is a, a person that you know curated more so the value of what gold is why is gold so valuable as a metal as a precious metal well it's it's been around since the beginning of time mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. Uh, it's from the earth um why Gold versus Aluminum something, something else, yeah. yeah. I I don't know, you know that those answers lie some somewhere else. I mean, I know aluminum is a practical metal. Steel, yeah. uh, silver is yeah. a uh, practical precious metal, but th- gold is thirty times the amount of silver. Yeah. Even though we use silver industrially, right? So mm-hmm. I, I don't know, but I could tell you what the market says, you know. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know specifically. Why? Why? Uh, it's, <laughs> it's a lot of it's like you Quantified know, it's like I'm, you know, I feel like Elon Musk and Tesla. Why is it? Yeah, mm. you go up. Sometimes it go down. I mean, okay. it. You know, it's a lot of other factors. I mean, because gold, gold is a universal currency. It's accepted everywhere in the world. Mm-hmm. Paper is not. Yeah. So you know, I kind of, I won't say adopted that attitude, but I, I, I look at it like that. Um, Okay. At the end of the day, your your gold can be traded for something, and it can be traded for something way more valuable than that paper you got in your pocket. Okay. So with that being said, that brings us to the classic Detroit is different question. So very first question, uh, your first car, year, make, and model, and what year did you get it? And I was probably definitely in that ride too, but. Yep, that bitch was know. slamming. 1986 Monte Carlo LS had the Euro mm. clip on it. Mm. 2000? I think 2000 2000 yep. or 01 yes sir that was definitely midnight blue midnight love that was definitely 2000 yep and you added a lot to it yeah. you added a lot to it i think um i don't know uh, looking looking back my whole creative journey was kind of interesting because i guess you can say that was like one of my first bigger canvases uh i painted that car we put sounds in that car we did interior in that car i put three probably three or four motors in that car you know what i mean so mm-hmm. had a lot of hands-on um experience it taught me a lot yeah sounds know? for real oh yeah that was yeah I, I love that music. was <laughs> three six mafia three that six was... it's so much three six mafia got played in that car <laughs> that's how i knew bone had no chance dog <laughs> i mean uh like uh we talking about the verses that recently passed and like i was telling um josh I love Bone and I like the catalog of 3-6, but in the format of a versus, 
Three Six Bone Mafia is not, way their too music high is energy. Not, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Yeah, Bone music, you gonna sleep yeah. too, smoke weed too. Yeah, chill too, kick it. Whatever. Yeah, you. Yeah. yeah, it's it's very laid back type yeah. of music. It's not it's not high. I can't even think of a high energy song that they very have. very few, very few. But uh, but yeah, that's what yeah uh, that definitely was that soundtrack sounds. Uh, that's back when um, boy we we really going it's back when LP worked at Circuit City. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, I think Ricardo was at Circuit City right then too. Yep, yep, yes sir, yes sir. So uh, you know it was it was a couple wires are here and there that you could get you know yeah. uh, through a discount you know, but. Um, where did you go the first day you got the ride? Where Where's the first place you pulled up? Shit. Hell if I know. I can tell you the first day I drove the cast, it was snowing. <laughs> <laughs> when, I, when I got ready to come up on the exit, I tapped the brake and the ass of the car was like, I'm Oof. like, all right, here we go. So mm. got that mug back straight and I'm like, all right, rule number one. Don't slam on that brake again. <laughs> so, you so know, for so people it, that know that exit of the old cast, it's that Grand River exit yeah, where, where it's like a at. tight. It's a real tight, sharp turn right there. Yep. You know? And uh, as we know, the student parking lot was... That parking lot fly now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They got a booth up and everything. Yeah, but back then it was... Uh, <laughs> it, it was straight up... Un- Park at your own risk. <laughs> unclaimed land that a guy would just collect a dollar from us for every single day. Yeah, and uh, Lord knows, the potholes, the unevenness, <laughs> the whatever. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But um, but that is the ride, and that brings us to the next question. Uh, you're the DJ at the end of the fireworks. Um, you get to play three songs. Uh, what three songs you playing and why? So you Woodward and Jefferson, fireworks just ended. You the DJ. What songs you playing? Shit, man, that's. This is probably a, a bad question for me because. <laughs> All the, all the music I listen to is just so, so fucking amped up. Mm-hmm. What year? Give me a year. What year are we in the fireworks? Uh, let's 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 keep it, let's keep it back then. Let's say two thousand and one. We graduate. I was heavy on Rockefeller. Mm-hmm. But. I don't know, cause Ludacris. Ludacris kind of came out with yeah. some higher energy shit around that time too. Yeah, he did. Mm-hmm. Yep. You when know. did when did Move Bitch come out? <laughs> like, if, so I'm yeah, trying like, to get to the crib. Mm. Move, bitch, get out the way. Mm-hmm. That probably get. But see, that's gonna get everybody ran yeah, <laughs> over and trampled on the way home, man. That would. Yeah, but yeah. um, no, I I like I say I like all I like all that high energy shit. So, um. Shit, what the hell was what was what was what was three six rocking right right then? When did choices probably, come out? Who, choices who, was probably like who run it? <laughs> probably who run it and uh Yeah, Ted um, Ted Club up there. It it, it probably would have been one of one of their shits, man. I okay. don't know. Now that, okay. now that we're thinking about it. Okay. Okay. Especially back then. Mm-hmm. Like I say, if if uh, some amp if if some yeah, bass bass lines was what I was into. If your shit didn't have bass, you wasn't getting played. A lot of that New York shit didn't get no play with me early because mm-hmm. all of their music was cold. You know what I mean? Didn't mm-hmm. have no warmth to it, no bass. So mm-hmm. DJ Quick, DJ Quick was one of the first you mm-hmm. know artists in in rap that I was actually actually listening to. Um, so I don't know that West Coast sound is just warm, man. Yeah, so I got you. 
Um, and last question: If you could rename Woodward after one Detroiter, who would it be and why? Hmm. Let's see. Who represents Detroit? So, I'm just about to start throwing some names out there. I mean, because we had Kwame. We have... I mean, all right. Now that I say that, if I had to just hurry up and throw something out there. One person that I hear representing Detroit a lot is Big Sean. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason why I'm saying that now, Big Sean always seemed to be a positive dude. You know what I'm saying? I don't, I don't know him, of course. Um, he did go to cast too. But I don't know. Dude's dope. Yeah. He always positive. I don't really – I don't have nothing bad to say about him. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So I, I don't know who don't, who's not hating on him. You know what I mean? So yeah. – uh, Kendrick I mean, Lamar. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean I don't I don't know I don't know too many that I could just say straight up represent. I mean, of course, Trick Trick. Mm-hmm. He's he always been holding us down. Um I don't know. Maybe one maybe one of them two. And I don't know why I'm stuck in music, but for mm-hmm. some for some reason, I don't know. I go back to music with a lot of stuff. Okay. All right. We rock it there. We keep it there. All right, so if people want to get in contact with you, uh, reach out to you, how how do they connect? Um, you can catch me on Instagram at Michael Rose. That's Rose with a Z. Mm-hmm. Um, Grind Ave on mm-hmm. Instagram. Mm-hmm. And Rose Go JCO on Instagram. Um, Michael Rose is my personal page. You can catch all of the cool stuff that's happening there. Um, Rose Go is brand new, so... Mm-hmm. We're really just going to start professionally posting all the jewelry and stuff so you can kind of see what uh, is pretty much our work okay. on that, you know. And, of course, Grind Ab is Grind Ab. Oh, um, artwork, same same deal. That's something that's going to be coming up in 2022. Uh, okay. That was kind of my original idea with, like, the Grind Ab marketplace. I just needed a place to sell my stuff, you know, my art. So I'm finally going to get some art on there, uh, 2022. And that'll be available on grindav.com. Uh, grindav.com is up and running, and there are things on there for you to purchase right now. Uh, again, grindav.com. And then also for people about the artistry, and I'm going to post some of this too as people see, but anybody that's been in my house, the Nipsey picture, that's Mike. The Eye of the Storm, that's Mike. Oh, I like um, my favorite piece. I got other pieces that's Mike. Um, you know, if you... My people and you are artists, I'm going to have some of your pieces, some of Notion pieces, Devin pieces, Sterling pieces, Escada's on the wall, oh, like, yeah. you know, all types of stuff. Like, artistry, I'm going to support a visual art big time. But uh, thank you so much. Cool interview. Always. Oh, yeah. My man outside going wild yeah, at the I end. Know. Man, that's, <laughs> that, that's, that's the block. You know what I'm saying? That's the culture of the block. Indeed. Got to love it, bro. All right. Peace. Peace. The Detroit is Different Community Group is a 501c3 organization focused and built around the project work of the Allot of Studio Project. The Allot of Studio Project is the project allowing for podcast conversation, live music performance, and also giving away fruits and vegetables within the community. 
Will you support the Detroit is Different Community Group 501c3 organization? You're supporting the Allot of Studio Project. Send your email address along with your donation to cash tag Detroit501c3 to the Detroit is Different Community Group for your tax-deductible donation letter.